Hello, hello, everyone. This is your host, Akhil Jabbar, and welcome back to another episode of School of Startups. In today's episode, we'll be talking about how to implement performance management within your SaaS organization. Today, we have our special guest, Dennis Coleman, joining us. Dennis started his career as a chartered accountant, where he worked for U.S. multinationals located in Ireland, Eastern Europe, and the U.S. After about two and a half years of researching management practices, behavioral science, and the competitive landscape, that led him to found his company, Work Compass, in 2012. Eight years later, Dennis is still the CEO of Work Compass, which is a performance management software designed to help organizations to manage their talent through ongoing performance check-ins. The company software uses AI, or artificial intelligence, to improve performance appra appraisal, revenue growth, customer reviews, and domain influence, which enables organizations to set goals for their employees, monitor their progress, and give feedback, which we'll dive into more details in today's interview. So welcome, Dennis. Glad to have you on our show today. My pleasure. Th th thank you for having me. Cool. Um, so I wanted to start with this quote that I saw you posted on an article, which is by one of my favorite uh, uh, writers, Peter Drucker and Management uh, Leaders. Uh, which oh, I love. I so yeah, so I think yeah. it's called leadership is lifting a person's vision to high sights, the raising of a person's performance to a higher standard. Um, how do you interpret that quote? And how do you see a leaders actually implement that statement to lift team members vision to yeah. higher sights? Yeah, I, I love Peter Drucker too, and that in particular. And I, I remember reading that, you know, many years ago, and uh, it just resonated with me. It just struck a chord. And I suppose at the time, it just clarified for me what I needed to do, what I needed to be as a founder, as a CEO. I think that's the name of the game, right? I mean, regardless of what size of an organization you're in or wh where you are in that organization, very, very quickly, you stop being an individual contributor and you start being a uh, leader of others or manager of others. And mm -hmm. the game changes and um, it's about helping them succeed. And I, I think most of the time, helping them recognize or realize right, that they're capable of far, far, far more than they think they are or, or you think that they are. I, I, I think... and. And, and never more so, I think, than in, you know, starting up your own business, right? Because every single day almost is a journey into the unknown and and an and, and attempt to do the impossible, right? I mean, you have to build a product and get customers with uh, no time, no money, um, no, no product at the start, yeah. no staff, um, nothing you have you have just nothing going for you right um so you got to convince people and help people do something that has never been done and they probably think they can you know? that's true and i think that actually starts with yourself too right when you have no staff it's like oh, yeah. you have to believe in yourself that you can do this right <laughs> oh that's it right and i think mm -hmm. the you know th th there's there's a ton of reasons why um you know, um, you know, when you're starting your own business, the numbers are absolutely stacked against you, right? The failure rate is enormous, you know, mm -hmm. and you have to reconcile yourself with the fact that 
the numbers aren't stacked against you, you know. And but also, right, you have to go at it and convince yourself, right, that you're going to do as as long as you are willing to do whatever it takes. You're going to succeed, mm. you know. And you think you just have to have to go at it with that mindset, right? It doesn't matter. Whatever it happens, whatever it takes, I'm going to do it. And, and if you have that mindset, I think you will succeed. And if you have that mindset, you'll attract others with the same mindset, you know, to your business, to your startup, to your project or whatever it is, right? And it kind of comes infectious, you know? Mm. So I think that's Sorry, defined that's more a, as, uh, yeah. no, that's a good answer. And uh, I, th- I think most people define that as a grit, answer, right? a short question. Yeah. Uh, yeah, great. Is it great? I, I, I suppose, oh my God. Um, <laughs> you know, I have three young kids, right? And let me tell you, that subject comes up a lot in our house, yeah. you know? Yeah. And um, is it great? I think that's probably a good a good exp- a good explanation and, and is is teaching grit and being the exemplar and an example of grit what a leader what leadership is all about mm. I think it is to, to an extent I, I think I think leadership is highly situational right I mean you know in very big and stable companies you mm-hmm. want a leader that's gonna look great you can wheel him out or her you know mm-hmm. they look fantastic. They've got a great resume. The market's going to trust them, right? That's what you need at that point in time, right? Yep. But, uh, but that's not what you need where I am, right? Yeah. <laughs> that's not what you need as a, you know, as a scaling, you know, uh, you know, uh, software company, right? You yeah. need, uh, you need people that have a lot of grit, and you need to be the the person that can show them what that is, you know? Because it's you in with a lot of people, I think. Yeah, and th- so maybe it's hidden within them, but maybe it's not. So just you know, tying back to that that mm. statement, um, you know, your goal is to try to get the best out of them, and maybe you give them the mm. opportunity to step up and uh, to a role that maybe they thought they never could. But mm. can can you teach grit, or is it at, at what point do you have that balance of deciding this isn't this is, mm. this person isn't capable of stepping into that. Or, yeah, I mean, affecting the business. I, 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 I mean, I, I think, you know, there's thousands of people around the world trying to answer that question. Sure. Uh, and I'm not sure I'm, I am I know I've nailed it. But, but I'll give you my two cents, right? Mm-hmm. I think some people naturally have it. Mm-hmm. You know, I think they walk in and you know, Jesus, right? This person is going to walk through walls if they need to, right? Mm. Um. Others, and most people, I should say, it's not so obvious, right? And to, to themselves, right? But with a bit of um, encouragement and motivation and success, they'll develop it. And they can develop it quite quickly, I think, you know? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But, 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 but there are others then that I think no matter, you know, no matter how much time and effort and energy you put in, they just won't develop it. You know? Mm, I agree. Yeah. Um, so. Speaking <laughs> of uh, kind of performance management, which I think is yeah. kind of the, the topic of this uh, podcast, for those in our audience who mm. may not be using, you know, this process in their SaaS business right now, why is performance management, uh, 
why is ma- performance management important? And at yeah. what point should they consider implementing it with their team? Is it from day one with one employee or is it like, you know, 10, 20, 100 yeah. employees? Great question. Uh, I, I think performance management uh, has a very bad reputation. As soon as you say performance management, people think of the annual appraisal. You know, they're yeah. walking into their boss's office. You know, they suspect that their boss two minutes before they walked in is like scrambling, looking at the form from last year. Right? You know, the meeting lasts twenty minutes. It's awkward. Nobody wants to be there. The employee <laughs> is like just waiting to hear. Okay, what's my bonus or what's my pay rise? And that's exactly. all they're there for. So, you know, nobody has a good experience of it. But but none of that, in my view, is performance management. That is not performance management. That mm-hmm. is a, a traditional annual appraisal process. And that process, that method, right, is 100 years old now, right? It was created, it was born in the civil service in the United States 100 years ago as a tool to um, stamp out or or stop people um, promoting friends, promoting relatives, right? To to try and promote a meritocracy in the civil service in the United States. So 100 years ago, that's when it was born and that's what it was there to do. And it did that so well that it was adopted almost across every industry in North America. Mm. Today, today, 94% of organizations still do performance management. But the way it's done, yeah, I mean, Mm. the way it's done is, um, it's no longer fit for purpose. So the idea that you can set goals at the start of the year and at the end of the year, you can tell somebody they're good, bad, and indifferent and expect, right, that that's going to motivate, that that's going to accurately measure, that's going that that's going to align people with their organization's goals is beyond ridiculous, right? Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. Um, I, I think some people are thinking, oh, performance management, when should I do it? Don't think about that thing. Don't think about that annual appraisal. Um, think instead about setting near-term goals with your team, mm. right? And measuring progress against those right all of the time and talking not just about whether they hate it or they didn't whether they're good they're bad they're a zero they're a one talking about why right and i think that's performance management it's it's setting near-term goals and then it's giving some helpful feedback along the way you know um if they're smashing it well done. Why? And what can we learn to help others smash it? Mm-hmm. Um, if they're not, what are the barriers? What's what's in the way? And often, what's in the way? The barrier, right? And and often the reason for for smashing it and succeeding isn't a a, a skill, a hard skill, right? It's you know, it's not, it's not, you know, it's it's not down to their master's degree. Right? It's right. not down to their eight years of experience in a similar role in another organization. It's not down to any of that, their skill with using whatever tool or whatever. It's down to some, it's a, a soft skill. Mm. It's down to something like, um, you know, conscientiousness, just keeping going. It's mm-hmm. down to, um, 
you know, attention to detail and picking a problem apart, um, innovation. It's down to some of that softer stuff. So I think that's where the conversations need to be. I mean, set near-term goals, monitor them, have conversations, you know, when they're smashing them and when they're not, you know, and Mm -hmm. what can you learn from that, really? Mm. I think that's performance management. And when when are you doing that? From employee number one or...? You, you know, from employee, do it with yourself. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, Excellent. set yourself your smart. I mean, one one of the major obstacles I think is um, when, particularly the smaller the uh, you are and the faster you're growing, the the um, one of the things that can like there's many things that can kill you. <laughs> yeah. uh, but one of the things that that can kill you and seems to kill a lot of startups I've seen is they get very busy doing stuff, mm-hmm. right? Day-to-day, hour-to-hour, they're working 80 hours a week, killing themselves doing things. But, uh, but, but is there an end in sight? You know, mm-hmm. is there a goal? Is, is, there, is, is this just busy work? Or is there a series of goals? Is there a guiding strategy, you know? Um, mm-hmm. So a lot of people aren't doing that, and it's killing startups. It's killing small businesses, stopping them scale. Um, there are very few of them are going back and looking at. Oh, in retrospect, okay, was that a stupid goal? Uh, why did I hit it? Why didn't I? You know, they're not mm. doing that. You know, and the yes, kind of thing sometimes, you know, it's uncomfortable work. It's hard to do. You you know, you're judging yourself, and that's never easy. And they kind of think, ah, oh, it's easy to say, look, I'm too busy for that stuff, right? I mean, yeah. you don't have time for that kind of navel gazing. You know, yeah. we just got to get on, got to do stuff. But it's a mistake. So I, I I think it's never too early to start a process of setting near term goals, monitoring progress, and you know asking yourself why, you know? Mm-hmm. And you, and by the way, although we are a software solution for doing just that, right? You don't need software to start doing it, mm-hmm. you know? And you don't need a form to start doing it, right? Bit of paper, three goals, you know? Put some dates around it and have some conversations. There you go. Cool. So with uh, WorkCompass specifically, are you only assessing the performance in terms of like a quantitative manner and uh, you know like those performance goals uh, or does it ju- suggest like general specific course of action to improve yeah. in the future and can you share any examples of that uh, oh a uh, good question um i i where i suppose there's three facets or three elements that we're uh looking at helping managers and their teams manage the first mm-hmm. is is the objectives or the outcomes the second is the soft skills, behavioral stuff, the competencies or core competencies, you know, I mean, those in those abilities, we'll say, are practices that make the difference between good and great. And the third element we're trying to help people manage then is development, is employee development, mm-hmm. you know. And mm-hmm. if you want to keep high performers and attract new high performers, and who doesn't, mm-hmm. the number one reason, d- despite what, uh, so if you ask an employee, right, well, what do you want, you know, what would make you happier here, right, or to go to a new business, what do you want, right, nine times out of ten, they're going to say money, right, mm-hmm. but mm-hmm. only, but less than one time out of ten is that actually the case. It's only about mm-hmm. 8%. Um, the, the thing that high performers want more than anything is development. Mm-hmm. And if you're giving it to them, they'll stay. If you're mm-hmm. not, you know what? Their next boss will. Mm. 
All right. So I think it's those three elements trying to help people take care of the, the, the short-term objectives, the behavioral stuff that makes the difference between good and great and the development. Makes sense. So you, you mentioned kind of in the last several years, decades, or actually the last hundred years, um, we can see the witness, the changes in the practice of what performance management is, uh, is going through. Is it fair to assume that the majority, uh, specifically in the SaaS industry, is now having discussions about the future, meaning they're no longer using uh, annual performance and they're discussing like more frequent <laughs> monthly basis? That, <laughs> that's a good question. That's a good question, yeah. right? I mean, I mean, if you Google, uh, you know, uh, trends in performance management, the, the, the thing that's going to be top of the list every single time is ongoing or continuous performance management, right? So that, that, that's, I mean, so the behavioral scientists have been, um, have been preaching this now. It's well proven, right? That this is the way to go. But, um, are the software solution providers going down that road? I mean, there are some that are, right? But the problem that the, the traditional, um, uh, software providers have is they, they built their solutions mm-hmm. on a different paradigm, right? They built, they architected their solutions and designed them with, you know, a transaction in mind, a mm. form in mind, you know, a box where you put information in mind. And forms, as we all know, do not, you know, that's not management, you know? So mm. I think for, for the traditional performance management at HR, um, vendors, it's an extremely difficult thing for them to move from this old paradigm to this new one because they're so incredibly different. So we're mm. seeing new vendors like ourselves, right, that are, you know, for organizations that want to make the change from traditional to, to new performance management, mm-hmm. it's people like us that are coming to. Mm. And what's your recommendation to implement an efficient performance appraisal system where employees, maybe you can help employees feel uh, helped or that you're there to develop them instead of being policed and micromanaged, right? Because that's why I think there might be that rebuttal back that you're implementing something to control versus like there to help them. Yeah, I, 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 I think, I, I think it, it, it depends on the, um, it, it, it depends what, what, if anything, people are doing right now. So, I mean, say the majority of organizations are have some performance management or performance appraisal and they're probably setting goals at the start of the year and then having a annual or biannual 22-minute meeting. So mm-hmm. my first piece of advice would be you're better off doing absolutely nothing than doing that, mm-hmm. right? So st- stop that immediately, okay? okay? Um, my second piece of advice would be to decouple conversations about performance from conversations about pay, reward, and remuneration um, mm-hmm. because it makes a nonsense of the conversation. It, it is not true in any organization right, to say that the only thing that impacts on pay and bonus and remuneration is performance. Mm-hmm. It's just not true. true. A ton of other factors play a part. Um the, you know the how the business itself is doing, um, cash flow, the market value for the position that you're in, um, how long you've been there, how hard it is to put, re- replace um, the person in that position, how strategic it. All those things are factors that that go into decisions about pay and reward and remuneration. So don't just say it's. Um, it's performance. It's all these other things too. Because mm-hmm. when you say it's performance, 
you're, you're, you've got to almost lie, said, oh my God, it's just performance. So this person has smashed it. They've absolutely killed, killed it in terms of their targets. But sure. I have to tell them that they're not meeting expectations because I don't have the money to pay them any more money, <laughs> you know? So yeah. it's confusing, it's demotivating, it's unfair, it's guaranteed to get high performers to start uh, leaving your organization and demotivate those that say. So I think that would be the second piece of advice. If you're, ha- if you're having those conversations together, decouple them, right? Mm. Um, and find maybe the other piece of advice that I give people is, like uh, 10 years ago, and may- maybe it's a little bit more, like a bunch of... Um, um, consultancies um, uh, came up with this performance conversation method called uh, the sandwich <laughs> method, right? Which basically was say something nice, then say something horrible, and then say something nice again. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you know, so, so so you kind of sandwich the real message, the bad news between two lo- lovely slices of good news. Right? <laughs> <laughs> and the, the problem with that, right, is. Um, what's known as illusory superiority. Um, the worse we are at something, the, the, the worse we are at judging how bad we are at it, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So, so if we're really, really, if we suck at something, right? The chances are we think we're fantastic at it, right? So um, when you use the sandwich effect, it, people just don't get the message. They come away from the meeting thinking, uh, mixed bag, pretty good here, pretty good there, maybe a little bit to improve here, but you know what? All in all, I'm killing it. Carry on. <laughs> you know? Okay. Yeah. So, so, so don't do it, right? Um, it may feel like the kindest thing not to deliver hard and painful feedback, but it is the best thing to do for people uh, mm. in terms of their career. Be honest, right? If you have bad news to deliver, deliver it. Right and deliver it clearly, and don't sugarcoat it because the, the individual will likely um, miss the point. Uh, particularly when the consequences of of poor performance are that somebody might lose their job. Mm-hmm. You know, most people that lose their job, you know, for a performance related reason, are totally shocked. They're devastated by it because, and it just rocks them. You know. Um, because they didn't see it coming. And mm. the reason they didn't see it coming is either, number one, the manager said, oh, Jesus, this is going to be a terrible conversation. I'm not going to have it. And they don't. Or they have a conversation with use the sandwich effect, uh, method and it goes completely over the head of the individual. But the person just doesn't get it. Mm. You know, they, they deserve to be told that this is serious, right? So they have an opportunity to correct it. So just give it to them straight. So I know sometimes they, they, they feel kind of like their effort, they're putting in effort, but you know, the result of it isn't, doesn't, does not equal to the result of what you're looking for. Right. So it's a little, a little bit. Yeah. Right? <laughs> yeah. I know. And why is that? Right. I mean, there's, 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 there can be lots and lots of reasons. Maybe the goal is unreasonable. Um, maybe it's not, uh, maybe it's just not something that they're capable of doing. Maybe they need a bit of coaching or direction, mm-hmm. you know, and mm. to be honest, if you have like a, a two-minute conversation about the right thing at the right time, believe me, it's worth two weeks of the wrong conversation at the wrong time. Mm-hmm. You know, so maybe yeah. they just need a little bit of advice, a little coaching, a mm. little bit of direction. Mm. 
Mm. So, so forget the the one year annual appraisals. Mm. How often are you recommending? I know there's quarterly OKRs. You can send monthly goals. You can do weekly check-ins. What's your suggested framework to that works well for you, or you've seen work well? Um, I, I mean, I, I think you need at, at least quarterly OKRs. Okay. Right. And depending on your business, how quickly it's changing and how quickly it's scaling, maybe you need to be revisiting them even more often than that. Um, how often should you be having a conversation with your team? Um, uh, about those OKRs on an ongoing basis, right? Mm-hmm. I, I think even having a schedule around, okay, we're going to talk about OKRs on Wednesday. No, it should be part of day-to-day working life mm. period. So I say no, no schedule, right? Talk about them all the time. And, and it mm-hmm. doesn't have to be this big formal sit down, right? It could be two minutes in the lift, you know, it can be walking back from coffee. It can be, it's just a part of everyday working life. It's like, it's just part of who we are. We talk about our OKRs all the time. Yeah, good point. Um, so talking about AI, machine learning. So I know in your software, mm-hmm. you identify yeah. areas and points for improvement. But then at the end of the day, the decision is taken by the management department and the employees on how to implement it. How are you thinking mm-hmm. of leveraging, you know, AI, machine learning, natural language processing to assess the actual business outcomes that are, you know, quite specific? Uh, yeah, good question. Um, we, um, I, I, I suppose, when, when, when we were, um, um, when we started Work Compass, right, the problem that, 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 we, that we, we wanted to help people uh, with was we just wanted to make, we wanted to save people from this annual, annual appraisal thing. Right? We mm-hmm. wanted to make it ongoing. And we wanted to make it simple, simple, simple. And um, so we wanted something very agile, very quick, um, um, you know, high net promoter score with like just real-time analytics, right? Mm-hmm. And once we once we kind of done that, when we looked and just said, we made, we, 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 you know, we looked at, so, well, what kind of impact are we having? Um we were a bit surprised and not in a good way, right? Mm-hmm. That we, we probably solved a problem, mm-hmm. but not the problem. Uh, it was a bit of a false summit, to be honest with you. Right? Mm-hmm. So we, we, we solved one problem, but what we found was people write gobbledygook in his mm-hmm. goals, right? I mean, it mm-hmm. was nonsense, you know? And the feedback that people were, were giving was terrible in in terms of the quality you know there was nothing actionable in it there was nothing helpful mm-hmm. um so we were a little demoralized and so so we made so, so just to kind of put in perspective said okay um i mean everybody is familiar with these smart uh, um acronym and goal setting specific measurable action rather than time bound so we said okay let's let, let let's just use that right as a measure of goal quality mm-hmm. and we took a sample of 10,000 goals and um, went through them to see, okay, um, to, you know, are they specific? Are they measurable? Are they actionable? Et cetera, et cetera. And we found that, um, to our surprise, uh, less than 2% were. Wow. Uh, so it was really, really low. We said, well, actually, maybe it's an unfair standard, right? Um, so rather than yeah, a goal having to meet all of those five standards, we'll say before we call it smart. Let's just back it off and call it four okay. standards. And 
that less than 2% shot up to a massive 2.87%. Okay, very, so still less than 3% managed, you know, met that criteria. So, um, so, 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 so again, we said, oh my God, right? I mean, this is something that, that we need to help people with, right? And we mm. also met, met um, so, so, we, so we spent a long time like figuring out, trying various different ways, you know, would we do it through coaching ourselves? Would we do it through prompts? Would we do it through examples? Would we give people templates? Tried all of that, none of it worked. So mm. eventually we started, you know, um, um, dabbling and playing with artificial intelligence. And after a couple of months of that, there was signs of life. Right, it said, mm, "This, this is promised. This might work." And three and a half years later, right, we actually nailed it. Right, we actually got AI that could um, um, reliably guide a person through the process of setting a smart goal. And by that, I mean read what they're writing and suggest what they need to change or add or remove or edit, right, or modify to make their goals smart, right? Got it. And we, we got the number up from about, you know, less than 3% of goals being smart up to 97.3, Wow. you know? Yeah. So we, we were thrilled, um, but I'm afraid, again, it turned out to be a bit of a false summit because once we solved that problem, what we'd found was that the next piece in the process, which is, you know, doing anything about that, giving yeah. feedback, was brutal as well, right? We measured again, took another sample, 10,000 uh, pieces of, of feedback to see, well, you know, how much coaching is happening? And we found it was bad. It was like less than 8%. So that that's where we focus our attention then. Um, again, using AI, and we brought that number up from less than 8% to 80, 87%, I think, uh, last um last measure does that kind of answer your question so having those smart so you, you took that ai you leveraged it helped get the yeah. goals to be more clear and include all mm. smart and then now you also you know you found that coaching wasn't part of that so now combining smart yeah. and coaching together what have you seen in terms of how that affected performance if any oh so, so the the impact that it has on um the so so do, the combination of those so simple process ongoing analytics smart goals and coaching feedback um, mm -hmm. on our, uh, on average for our customers it helps them increase their goals met or exceeded by thirty two percent okay right that's mm -hmm. nine months post goal life so after nine months they're seeing on average thirty two percent increase in goals met or exceeded you know and, and mm. down to the fact that. You know, there's far more focus now on what truly matters. People are much clearer about what's expected of them. And they're getting um, actionable feedback. Most feedback, when we measured the feedback that people were, managers were giving, it was, oh my God, it was, it was just not good, right? It was, most of the time it was judgment. Mm. You know, you're good, you're bad, you're indifferent. Mm. That, in terms of helping a person improve their performance or, you know, does nothing, mm. absolutely nothing, right? Um, the what helps people improve their performance is actionable is coaching, and by coaching I mean actionable feedback, right? Yep. So feedback, something they can do something with. So can I do something with this? Right? Mm. If you're telling me I'm brilliant, <laughs> I mean yes. I'll feel good for a minute, right? But it has no lasting impact on my performance. Mm. Right? By the by the way, 
it has no lasting impact on my engagement, on my motivation either, despite mm-hmm. the fact that people think it does. Um, mm. Coaching has a very lasting impact on both um, in terms of people improving performance and their motivation at work. Okay. And then speaking about, you know, development and also retention, I want to know, I want to understand the mm-hmm. onboarding part of employees onboarding their uh, new hires. Do you guys provide any tools for helping with that? And yeah, is there any recommendations you have on how to improve that uh, employee onboarding to make it, you know, better retention overall? And- I mean, this is—I mean, this is a complex enough area that we're we're dealing in, right? It's 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 quite, uh, it's a little subjective. Um, it can be a little hard to get sometimes. So for every new customer, so we're like we appoint a customer success manager for every new account, right? Mm-hmm. And their job is to work. So it's a named person. It's not a help desk or not. Um, it's a named person, and they work with the new client to configure the application the way they need it. Um, to kind of put a road back together about how they're going to change that uh, configuration over time. They train the um, the administrators of the system, the employees and the managers. But the training, to be honest, right, is more about not how to use the system because it's very easy, Nepomore score of 92, as I said, but it's about why. Mm. You know, wh- why should you care, right? Why should you invest time in this? Because a lot of the time, again, when people think about performance management, they think about that annual meeting that everybody hates, mm. you know? So so do, do we invest in, you know, in helping, in driving traction? Absolutely. We see ourselves, right, that if we help people at the very start, right, um, if we get um, our customers, our users to a certain level of traction, right, um, they're gone, they're launched, right? Mm, and you mm. can, yeah, you know, and that has a massive impact on the likelihood that they will renew. I mean, we're a SaaS business, we charge uh, annual subscriptions. And if you get early traction, they're going to renew, 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 renew. But Makes if you sense. don't get early traction, mm. nope. Yep. Hiring. So I think this is probably a section that, you know, can, you know, there's a whole interview around this, but I'm going to try yeah, to yeah, yeah. limit it. <laughs> what, yeah. what, what do you look for when hiring and screaming, screening top performers to your own team? And do you have any favorite interview questions that you think reveal a lot about a person during an interview? Yeah. Um, I, I, again, I, I think this is highly situational, right? And mm-hmm. it depends on, you know, how big your business is, how, how, how much you're growing, how aggressive you are. Uh, mm-hmm. um, so for, for us, um, um, you know, we're, uh, you know, uh, you know, young, small, uh, growing quickly. Um, so when I'm hiring, I, I, I mean, I'm really looking for attitude first, mm. you know, and I, like, I, I think we, we can, we can train and teach the skills um, but if the attitude is there, if they're the right fit, you know, if they're coming for the right reasons, they they could be a high performer in 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 our business. And coming for the right reasons, um, I mean, people that are excited by what we're doing, um, you know, I said, oh my god, like this is an opportunity for me that I might get elsewhere. You know, I can join a business that's growing quickly. You know, and. You know, I can, you know, really accelerate my career here. You know, if they're excited by that stuff, if they're not put off and daunted, and I'm 
very, very, very honest about what it takes to succeed in Work Compass in terms of, you know, it's hugely demanding in terms of your ability, your time, your talent, your patience, yeah. you know, your your spouse or your partner, you know. Um, you know, so I'm upfront with it, right? So if, if they know all of that, right, and they're like enthusiastic about the opportunity for them, that's a good sign that they might be a great fit. And I would take all that stuff over, um, you know, years of experience, to be honest. Mm. You know, in fact, I kind of shy away really from um, candidates that have uh, lots and lots and lots of experience, you know, because I think they can be quite set in their ways. Yeah. Um, so, so somebody that's younger is more inclined to come with fresh thinking, a lot of energy, uh, a very can-do attitude. And I think all those are just vital for uh, for a company like us. Makes sense. And then you do know, you have any just, favorite favorite questions that help reveal that about the person that they're enthusiastic other than asking them, like, are you enthusiastic about this job? Of course, they're going to say I, yes. I, right? I, 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 don't, I don't know. I, I don't know if I do like have any magic questions. I, I, I like to just get them talking, you know, mm, I want mm. to have a conversation with them. And mm. I just I just want to see like, you know, I, I, you know, I just want to I just want to hear them talk and see them talk. Right. And mm, see. Mm. Is there, is there something about them? Do you know what I mean? Right? Yeah. I mean, if when the going gets tough, because it always will, right? Mm-hmm. What, what will this person do? How will they react? You know, will they fold? You know, will they get pissed off? Right? Mm-hmm. Will they go on LinkedIn and start looking for a, a new job? Right? Will they go will, as a challenge and say, you know, I don't care what it takes. I'm getting over this wall or, you know, around yeah. this hurdle or whatnot. How, how will they react? I wonder, uh, you know, so that's something I'm always thinking about. What will they be like? I mean, for, for me, I'm like a lot of the time I'm wondering what will they be like to manage mm. because we're growing so quickly. Like I, I really do need self starters, you know, and mm-hmm. people that can come in, they've hit the ground running. Um, now th- th- I don't, by that, I don't mean, all right, that look, hey, they'll get zero management, figure it out, do or die. I don't mean that at all. You know, you do really need to invest in helping people be successful. Mm -hmm. But will they be easy? Will they take a lot of management? Because if they do, probably won't work out with us, you know. And and again, I mean, grit, that's a big one for me. Resourcefulness, I guess that's another word. Yeah, 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 you know. I, I don't know. I know that that's not a, that's quite a vague answer, right? Oh. But I do. I just want to have a talk to them, and like, like, and I, I think people will succeed in 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 different ways, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, not everybody will succeed in the same way. Some people will succeed. Um, I like even salespeople. S- some people are great at sales because they're just do so much research and they're high analytical and they're all about the process and. You know, maybe they're not the best at building relationships. They don't even try. You know, mm. some people will succeed, right? Because they just will, will get to know the individual. Like by the end of the process, they know their spouse. They know the names of their pets. They know, you know, all that stuff. So some people will succeed. You know, some people will succeed in different ways and for different reasons. But mm. but 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 do they? Is there something in them that they want to succeed? Mm. you know you know what's going to drive them on you know yeah 
So just final question on that, that sales topic. Do you believe there is a secret ingredient to be inefficient at selling? Or what, what do you believe that salespeople do that make them inefficient or, or counterproductive and actually waste a lot of time? Oh <laughs> and they just opened up a can of worms to you, but... <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, that, that's... Um, oh, um, I, myself, I, I think process is very important. Mm. You know, I think that you have got to have a good... I think your sales process should be your star performer and not any individual sales person, mm. you know? So you need to do a lot of work to figure out what's the right sales process for your buyer. Right? Mm. And you need to match your process to how they buy, right? So, I mean... Uh, so uh, that's the first thing. You need to measure, 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 right? Um, it, um, so you need to have a reliable, repeatable process that matches how your customer buys. You need to measure, measure, measure. And because if you do that, you'll spot the areas. Oh, okay, actually, we're having an issue here um, moving from this step to this step. Why is that? Um, mm -hmm. you, once you've diagnosed the issue, you can go back, you can maybe listen to some calls with that salesperson and understand, okay, what do we think is going wrong here and, and, and fix the issue, right? So mm -hmm. I, I think the, the sales process needs to be the star. Um, in terms of the type of salesperson <laughs> that, mm -hmm. that, that I, I think works better or uh, works best, um, I read I read a great book and I'm just trying to think of the name, the, the author's name and, and I can't for the life of me recall it but the book was called The Challenger Sale okay. and I I you know that's one of one of the things I think or one of the books or one of the big learnings for me that we adopted in Work Compass to to uh, with, with with great success right is that mm -hmm. the, the 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 successful salesperson isn't the nicest. Um, they're the ones that, 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 that will challenge the uh, buyer a little bit. Mm. You know, they'll mm. maybe uh, challenge their thinking a little bit. Um, they'll push back when that needs to be. Mm -hmm. They won't lead with price. They won't be afraid to um, have a disagreement with the um with the person. Uh, mm -hmm. I, I think salespeople that rely only right, on the relationship rarely 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 smash it, you know? Mm, yeah. And and a lot of salespeople I think, particularly in bigger organizations, are just taking orders. Mm. You know, they're they're not yeah. selling at all, you know. Mm. Cool. I'll, I'll, we'll make a link to that uh, book in a show note. The sales challenge, there, right? We'll look up the, the oh, the, 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 cha the challenger sale, the challenger, the challenger sales, for, yeah. Cool. We'll find that. Um, thank you so much, Dennis. This has been great. Uh, how can our audience get in touch with you and learn more about your working on? Uh, email me, um, uh, Dennis at workcompass.com. So D E N I S at W-O-R-K-C-O-M-P-A-S-S.com. <laughs> okay. Awesome. So, so I, like, I, 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 met a, I remember I met a guy um, 
uh, a couple of years back, and he he and his uh, co-founder had built a massively, massively successful uh, food business, huge, and he still had on, on on their contact page. He still had his mobile number, his cell phone oh, number wow. on it. You know, I remember saying to him, "Are you absolutely insane? Right? Why, why do you do that? Are you not just inundated with calls? You know?" And he mm-hmm. said, mm, "Not really." But he said, "Like people <laughs> ring him up like on a pretty frequent basis about all kinds of stuff, right?" Yeah, and he said, yeah. "It's like it's always eye-opening." So I'm always delighted for people to contact me like even if it's not just oh you know like not just to buy my software but like just to sh- share an experience they had to ask a piece of advice anything i'm happy for people to contact me awesome so guys t- take advantage of that it's free free uh-huh. advice there <laughs> uh-huh. okay cool thank you so much dennis highly appreciate it and very grateful for you to be here on t- today's episode uh it's my pleasure thank you <laughs> all right thank you Thank you all for joining us on today's episode. Don't forget to like, subscribe, and leave a comment on iTunes or Spotify. If you'd like to learn more about entrepreneurship, make sure to check out our School of Startups videos on YouTube as well. Until then, see you guys on the next episode.